are so grateful that you are joining with us on our podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are a church here in Salt Lake City, and we invite you to connect online at lifechurchutah.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, it's great to see each one of you. Thanks for being a part of uh, Life Church Utah. It is uh, really, really great to start off this new year. How many of you are glad that 2022 is here and 2021 is gone? Anybody glad 2021 is gone? All right, yeah. So no matter how last year was, this year starts something new, and uh, we are very excited that you are here with us today. And uh, how many of you know it's okay to brag sometimes? Well, I mean, about your children is what I meant. I mean, about your children, that's, that's what you can do. Don't, don't go around bragging about yourself. That's a problem. Okay, we can talk about that later. Uh, but uh, brag about your children. Can you give me just a moment? I, uh, this ties into the message. So I'm going to brag about one of my kids right now. I love all of my children, right? And I brag about all of them at different times. But um, back about, uh, what would it be now, three, almost four years ago, our daughter, Kayla, she's our number two daughter, our second daughter. Number two daughter makes it sound like we have like a scale of our children. Like I like that one, number one. Our second daughter, we'll put it that way. Uh, she was part of um, the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. She was a runner uh, for, um, for that college or that university. And uh, she was pretty good. And she would run track and cross country. And uh, she was, uh, you know, like seven-time All-American, which is super cool. And I mean, so really, really good stuff. But there was this one race that she did in 2018. It was just actually a couple of weeks uh, before uh, I had the opportunity to come out here, be the lead pastor here at Life Church. And uh, we went to Minnesota, and it was the, the Roy Griak Invitational. It might sound like a weird name, but it's like this really prestigious cross-country race. And my daughter got the opportunity to uh, participate in it. And uh, the coach had, had pulled her aside at one point and said, Kayla, if you listen to me, and if you do what I tell you, if you do this to the T, if you follow everything I tell you to do, you will win this race. And it's against like 300 other runners. I mean, it's a, again, college run. How many, it's a 6K. How many of you have ever run a 6K? How many of you have ever run a half K? <laughs> How many have no idea what I'm talking about? Okay, kilometers is what that is. Six kilometers is the race. And so true to her coach, um, the coach had told her just, you know, kind of hang back towards uh, like, you know, third or fourth or fifth place, just kind of hang back there the entire race in the last four to 500 meters, you just put it on, you're going to have all the energy you want and you will be ready to go. And so Kayla, true to form, followed everything that her coach had said. Now I've got a video of it. I'm not going to show you the video. That's way too much bragging, but um, so I... To this day, I still watch this video when I need to just kind of get pumped. You ever have those videos? You're just like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to get pumped. That's what I do. I put that video on and I, and I watch this of my daughter. And so as the race is kind of unfolding, she's been hanging back there and it gets to this point, the last, you know, less than a thousand meters. And the guy who's announcing this race, he says, you know, there's somebody who's been leading it virtually the entire time. And uh, he, he's talking about this girl. She's, this girl's going to win it and everything. And the camera keeps kind of panning. And it's on the back of this car. And it's kind of shaky. But from the distance, you can see this third place runner, who's Kayla, this third place runner getting a little bit closer. And so the guy who's saying the person in first place is going to win gets to this point. Now it's about 300 to 400 meters left. And, and he notices for the first time this runner in third place. And he goes, and this runner in third place, who, and they don't even know who she is. She has, they have no idea who this girl is that's running. And she is coming up and like, well, it looks like there's going to be a race. But Kayla, she followed everything her coach had said. And she just like, 
boom, went right past and ends up winning the Roy Griak in 2018. Super, super exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those moments. So I brag about that, right? But really what the coach was saying, that if you listen to me, when it really counts, you're going to have what it takes in the moment when like, it's the, it's the biggest, uh, for that point, for her, the biggest stage of her life being on there for this really prestigious cross-country race. When, when it really counts, you're going to be ready to go. And it encourages me because we can accomplish so much when we just listen to some wisdom, right, that I believe that comes from the Word of God, that when it really counts, we're going to be ready to do what God has called us to do. So welcome to 2022, and uh, 2021 brought us significant challenges, as you know. I'm going to read through some of these, not to depress you, uh, but just to talk about it. There's some good news in here, but, um, you know, maybe we've forgotten a few of them. I don't think you've forgotten the ongoing pandemic. How many of you forgot there's an ongoing pandemic? Okay, right? Um, there are mandates, stress over vaccines, withdrawal from Afghanistan, civil war in Ethiopia, military buildups in Eastern Europe, right? So we've got all of those things going on in 2021, and it, we feel the weight of those things. Can I give you some good news, though? Monarch butterflies have exploded in numbers in 2021. That is good news. Now, for the nerds among us, the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. Anybody's excited about that as I am? That is so cool. I, just, I, like, I sit and watch where it is. It's just a screen of just like this thing and just nothing. It's just there and I love watching it. It's so cool. All right. Medical advances dealing with Alzheimer's. I don't know if you knew that or not, but in 2021, big advances in dealing with Alzheimer's. Super excited about that. Argentina. Can I say some good news out of Argentina? In Argentina, uh, in several prisons, officials have allowed inmates freedom to lead churches within the prison. So in other words... The prisoners are leading inside the prisons, they're leading churches, and this is what they say. We don't use knives, but the Bible to take over a cell block. That is so cool. 2021 is good, <laughs> right? In Iran, in Iran, house churches, in Iran, an Islamic, right, house churches won in courts so that they can continue to meet in Iran. I mean, that's pretty amazing when things like that happen, right? And we go, okay, God, I guess there's some salvageable things in 2021. What's it going to be in 2022? In 2021, also around, the, really in, within the United States in particular, these are where the, some of the stats are from, but many churches, just like Life Church Utah, chose to lean into and continue to do outreach into communities. There are some churches who had never done it before, stepped in for the first time. Life Church, we're no stranger to that, but we stepped, uh, stepped into that even more in 2021 than in years past. Churches have extended ministry uh, to uh, beyond just food programs. And like Life Church Utah, new people have found their way into the church. Uh, some of you have come for the very, very first time. You've watched us online, by the way, which is the new front door for churches. It's not the front doors, literal. There is a virtual front door for churches where people watch for months and months and months before they actually come into the church. How many of you, that was your story? You watched for months before you came to Life Church. I know there's a few of you that did that. Um, and uh, right, and this becomes the front door. And so I talk to you and you go, yeah, they already know my name. They already know the worship leader. Right? They know people and they know structures before they even get here. And they go, wow, it's good to be home. 
others of you by personal invitation, and there's uh, some of you as well, just by driving by Life Church, you end up at the stoplight here, and God's conviction sets down upon your heart, and you look over to Life Church, you go, one day I got to get to church. It takes you years, but you finally get here. How many of you, that was your story? It took a long time, but you stopped at the stoplight, and you saw Life Church, right? I mean, that really is one of those moments. But what does 2022 hold for us as a church? What I want to do today over the next, uh, looks like 19, 20 minutes, uh, unless it's first service and I might go long, um, what, what I want to do today is take a look at some New Testament, and then what does that have to do with us today? So what is the church? It's kind of a loaded question, and we're not going to find all of the answers today, just some big principles that I want to talk about, about what the church is, and then how that can challenge us as individuals and then corporately to be the church that God has called us to be. Some of these roots are very, very uh, deep roots that are just kind of define what the church is in general. But then Life Church Utah itself, we really have kind of a specific calling to the area that we are. And so what does that look like for 2022 and beyond? Um, there was this place in the uh, New Testament, and I want to have you turn to Matthew uh, chapter 16. And uh, by the way, for those of you who missed the pre-service, I um, want to let you know that if you go to the Bible app, and I encourage you, go to the Bible app, right? Anytime, even during service, you can download it in service today. Go to the Bible app. If you uh, look at the bottom right-hand corner when you do that and you've registered and all that, it says more. When you go to more, oh, it's up there. Uh, when you go to more, look for events and uh, you're going to find Life Church Utah on the Bible app now. So you got the notes there, fill in the blanks, um, and things like that. So please take advantage of that. Just an easier way uh, for you to, to retain your notes and take notes and all of that. Um, so there's this place in the New Testament called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was this uh, local place where uh, the Greeks and Romans would worship, foreign, uh, would worship gods like, uh, and this place in particular, was worshiping the god Pan. Now, when you hear Pan, what you think of is the wooden flute guy, the, the, the wooden flute, you know, he, anybody know who I'm talking about, right? So the god Pan would play this wooden flute. And uh, th there was this uh, river that would come out of this cave, and uh, those who were there when they would worship, that was called the Gates of Hades, was right there, that this is the cave where this god would emanate from on a yearly basis and kind of replenish the land and fertility and things like that. That was the god of Pan. And so those who are worshiping there, it's called the Gates of Hades. And that kind of sets the stage for what happens. And so Jesus is there with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, and he begins talking to them. And this is what it says, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They answered, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So these are all like well-known uh, prophets from the Old Testament and then John from the New Testament. He said, Jesus said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? Jesus always wants to personalize. <laughs> he always wants to get you to that position of who do you say that I am? That's what we're responsible for. Um, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now the word Peter in Greek is Petros, okay, which means rock or stone. And so when Jesus is making a play on words here, he says, and you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. 
and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. What's Jesus talking about right there? He's in essence maybe even pointing over to where the God of Pan is worshipped, right, where the gates of Hades are, and he's saying, this God here will be powerless against the church. These gates that, that lead to the underworld, they will be powerless against the church. And he goes on, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will have been released in heaven. This is an incredible promise that Jesus gives to the church. And I don't know if you know this, but this is the first time that the word church is actually mentioned, and it's the, the gathering of God's people, right? This is the church. It's not a building. It's the people. And as a church, this church would not be powerless. As a church, this church would not just kind of sit back and let things happen. As a church, the church would be powerful, but only in one way, and it's determination to give itself to Jesus Christ. Right? That becomes this bottom line declaration, and this is what Jesus builds his church on, that Jesus is the son of the living God. This is the declaration we build ourselves upon. And this binding and loosing that Jesus talks about is tied into a lot of things, but one of those things that's tied into is this idea of binding ourselves to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And then by binding ourselves, there's really a loosing that begins to happen where this teaching of Jesus Christ, obedience to him, obedience to who he is, that that is loosed upon our world and our world is transformed by Jesus Christ through our relationship with him. This is that declaration of faith that we have that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then later on in the book of Acts, and if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2 at this time, later on in the book of Acts, we have another example of what, um, of what is going on in what is called the church. And there's this new, uh, new group of people that is gathered together. And Peter, the one who made that declaration, he's the very first one to give a message um, after Jesus uh, had died and uh, buried and then resurrected, and now they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and Peter is the first one to give this declaration of Jesus Christ being the son of the living God. And on the day after, he, he, he gives this altar call, and 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ on that day. That's incredible church growth. And we begin to see a pattern emerging within this early church in the first century. And there are two words that go hand in hand. They're kind of paradoxical when you look at them uh, you know, separately, but together they make up what the church is. And this is the idea that the church is a place of gathering, and it's also a place of sending. This is where we gather and where we're also sending from. And in Acts chapter 2, we begin to see this in uh, verse 42. It says, uh, they, meaning the church, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Reverential awe came over everyone and many wonders and miraculous signs came about by the apostles. All who believed were together and held everything in common and they began selling their property and possessions and distributing uh, the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Now notice this, it's not a government saying you gotta sell everything. This is people of God basically saying, God, you are moving upon us and we are responding to the spirit of God and that generosity flows out of a heart that responds to Christ. And it says, every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. 
And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. There's so much here. And we could spend weeks on, uh, on this alone, but we're not going to because we've got to get to Romans, which we're going to be uh, starting up again next week. And by the way, Romans is going to take us all the way through the month of June. So get ready. We've got a lot to go through in the book of Romans. Um, but what, a couple of things that we see, we see worship, right? We experienced that a minute ago when we were uh, singing together. That's part of what worship is. We see miraculous moments. We see common good, very evident, intentional love for one another. We see radical generosity. We see a commitment to biblical truth. We see big gatherings and small gatherings all centered on the transformative nature of Christ and always, always food. Do you realize that? At the very beginning, he talked about the breaking of bread together, and later on, they went around sharing food with one another. How many of you love food? How many of you loved it a little bit too much over the holidays? <laughs> All right. How many of you, like, you're going, okay, Lord, this is the year I'm going to lose that four pounds? <laughs> Okay, anyway. So food, right, is part of it. And I love the fact that food is part of our Christian uh, reality, okay? A bit later in Acts chapter 4, this is another descriptor given of this early church. The group of those who believed were of one heart and one mind. There was unity. There were really expressions of love that were given in the early church. This is what separated the early church from the world around um, and in fact, this is the sign that Jesus gives to the disciples as to uh, how will people know that they are truly disciples? How will they know they're truly part of this family of God? And so uh, John chapter 13, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he says, this is how everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you attend the biggest church, that's how you know that you're dis- No, of course not. If that church has the best lights and smoke, if you have a really hip pastor, which we know is not true... <laughs> Look to the youth, Pastor Tate, he's pretty hip, right? Uh, If you have memorized a hundred scripture and can wow people with your knowledge, that's how you know you're a disciple. No. You haven't said a bad word in months. Maybe days? (laughs) That's how you know you're a disciple. No. You have a huge following on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Rumble Parlor, Twitter, and MySpace. You're keeping it alive. That's how you know you're a disciple. No. Here's what Jesus says. This is how everyone will know that you're my disciples. When you love each other. That's it. It seems so simple. But how hard is that? Uh, Turn to your neighbor, somebody next to you, say, I love you. That was pretty bad. Turn to another neighbor, say, I love you. Give me 20 bucks. (laughs) when we love each other, right? When we love each other, that's something very different than the world around us. The kind of love that we have for one another is bearing one another's burdens, the Bible reveals. We're quick to forgive. We challenge one another to live differently. We're accountable. There's vulnerability in the way that we live our lives. We're not perfect, right? How many of you are perfect? right? None of us. You're welcome at Life Church if you're not perfect, <laughs> right? We're not perfect, but we love each other. We are, as far as possible, living at peace with everyone. We're different from the selfish world out for the gain of self. But our motivation within the church is for each other. 
Our motivation outside the church is for the other to experience the same life transformation that we experience in Christ. It's not just for us. It's for others around us who desperately need the same love. This is not a weak love, but a powerful and transformative love. But, and here's how we know that, is because it wasn't always uh, roses and unicorns. Is that the right phrase? I'm not even sure. Roses and unicorns, right? That wasn't, uh, that's not the way that the early church was. It's important to understand that challenges increased within the early church. Social pressures, civil governments, religious leaders, all began to put pressure on that early church and persecutions and scattering began. In Acts chapter 8, it says, now those who had been forced to scatter... The word forced, so they were forced out of their local churches, forced out of being able to meet in the temple, forced out of being able to even meet in homes. When they were forced to scatter, it says they went, about, went, about, uh, went around proclaiming the good news of the word. You realize even when there is bad news all around us, the word is still good news. Even when bad news hits us, the word is still good news. Who Jesus is doesn't change whether uh, we are in a, in a time of peace and prosperity. Who Jesus is is still just as powerful in times where there is scattering and persecution and difficulty. In fact, history would show that in times of difficulty, that's when the church really thrived. Because that's when the church really realized that it is truly love of one another that makes the church what it is. And God has been at work these past couple of years in the middle of a pandemic. Some of you have thrived in your faith, and it's been exciting to see that over these past couple of years, there's been a maturation in many of you about what it means to follow Christ. You've realized uh, for the, maybe the very, very first time that this isn't all that the church is, a gathering, but there is a sending part of it where it becomes not just corporate, but it becomes very individual. We need all of this, right? Us as individuals following after Christ, but then gathering together in person, being together physically is so powerful. God is ready to use you in new ways as your faith has grown. Others have struggled. Anxiety has persisted. Fear has certainly been part of uh, uh, the equation uh, as to why we don't attend church in person right now. But I do want to say uh, really quickly to those who are online and are still kind of like just waiting for the right time, when you are ready, we will be here, <laughs> right? When you are ready, there are other churches in the Salt Lake Valley that will be ready to receive you. And I'm excited that when we are ready, right, many of you have chosen to take a while to come back, and that is fantastic. Thank you for being here. And others of you are just waiting a little bit longer, but when you're ready, we will be here ready uh, to receive you. And we as the church can transform our communities through the gospel of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit and for the pleasure of our Father who is in heaven. And again, we do this collectively as a church and we gather together and we, we do things together, right? We uh, have the uh, uh, food outreaches and we've done other outreaches in the past. This is what we do together, but God has called us as individuals as well. There's a story of William Wilberforce. I don't know if you know him from uh, way back in the uh, 1800s. Um, his life and ministry was very significant, um, had felt a call from God as an individual, and, and um, it was through him that started the whole abolition of slavery within the United Kingdom. He was really kind of the crux of what God, I believe God was up to within that, uh, within that kingdom to change their reality and slavery's place within that society. 
And uh, through his love for God and his love for his neighbors, he pursued the ministry all while being dependent upon, like this is that individual expression, but dependent upon his local church for being able to gather together, being prayed for, and asking God's blessing and anointing upon his life. It's famously said that when William Wilberforce asked John Newton, now real quick, John Newton, uh, he uh, he is a former captain of a slave ship who had turned abolitionist. Later, he's a pastor at an Anglican church, and he's the writer of the hymn, Amazing Grace. And there's a a great movie uh, that's out there by the same name. Um, William Wilberforce went to John Newton and said, John, what am I supposed to do with this calling on my life? I I feel like I should uh, become a pastor, right? I'm feeling a call, and so I need to become a pastor. What did John Newton tell him? John Newton said, nope, you need to get involved in politics. Thanks, John Newton, (laughs) right? But that was so true for William Wilberforce. Had he not taken that step as an individual, knowing he was called by God to make a difference in the world, had he stepped into the pastorate, which would have been a nice thing to do, but had he stepped into it, that future might have been very, very different. But he stepped into politics, of all things, and he transformed a society, not only a society, but really a world. And that was the first major kingdom to abolish slavery. And that had a huge impact, obviously, upon America itself many years later. One man transformed much of the world through his push to abolish slavery. One man freed hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And his motivation was found in the church and the big gathering. His motivation was found there and the love of one another in this kind of a setting that extended now to the love of those who are outside of the church. I think that's a beautiful picture of what we are called to do individually. There's a statement from some local leaders in the city called Thessalonica, where the church was just taking root among the people there in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 17, it says this, these leaders, they were uh, concerned and, and a little bit alarmed that this church was moving in. This is what it says. These people who have been turning the world upside down, they've come here also. Turning the world upside down. Is that what a weak church does? Mm -mm. What I see in there is a declaration that this is a church in the first century New Testament. This is a church that is out to change the world. This is a church that's not content to just sit back and do nothing. It's not content within the larger gathering to sit back and do nothing. It's not content either as individuals to sit back and go, oh, I'm good for, is to come sit and warm a chair. God has called us to do more than that, much, much more. The Heart of Life Church Utah can be summed up in the following way. I know Pastor Tate shared it a little bit earlier, but God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. This is my prayer. It's the prayer of our staff. This is the prayer that I believe is for Life Church Utah. God, you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. That means we ourselves need to be more like Jesus because there are people who are in the valley. Now, the valleys we're talking about, right? Salt Lake Valley, Utah Valley, Cache Valley, Tooele Valley. Uh, what are some of the other valleys? There's like, I think like 35 or 34 uh, valleys in Utah, something like that with, with uh, population centers in them. God has called us to the valleys, right? To lead people to be more like Jesus. 
And the valley is not only physical, it's not just a geography that we're talking about, but there are valleys in individuals' lives, people that are caught in addiction, people that are filled with anxiety and fear, people for whom faith, people for whom the church is just something out there, but it's not been real to them, people for whom Jesus has been distant and far away, maybe they've been abused by church, abused by other Christians and certain weights put upon them, and they're in a valley themselves emotionally, physically. God's called us as well to them, to lead them to be more like Jesus. And I love in Acts chapter 2, as we start to fill out what does that actually look like for us, that that's really the core of Life Church Utah. And what we, what we read earlier in Acts chapter 2, that, that early picture of the church with food. Remember that? That was the food part. But more than that, that commitment, there was a commitment to biblical truth. They were there listening to the teaching and, and, and uh, the teaching of Jesus Christ and putting it as part of their life. There was this tremendous intentional love of others within that local church, and there was radical generosity on display that came from that relationship with Jesus. And this is what we're about at Life Church. Those are really the three kind of core values that we have commitment to biblical truth, intentional love of others, and radical generosity. This is how we live our lives. If you're part of Life Church, this is who we are. And God has called us to reach our neighborhoods. Um, our mail carrier uh, for, our, for our block that we have, and we've got one of the, I forget what it's called, like the block um, post, postal box. If we don't have it at our individual house, it's like, what's that called? A group mailbox? That's what we're going to call it right now. It's a group mailbox. And uh, so I've seen her a number of times. Her name is Mary. And uh, struck up some conversations with her over the, uh, over the months. And uh, um, I'm, of course, let her know I'm a pastor. I don't always lead with that because as soon as I say, oh, I'm a pastor, then people stop being themselves and they, they, they put up a front, like they stop saying bad words in front of me and think whatever. So, um, but anyway, so I'm talking with her. She wasn't saying bad words. That's not at all to say that. Okay, <laughs> whatever. So I was talking with her, let her know I was a pastor at some point and uh, saw her a number of months ago and she was delivering mail over here to the, uh, to the apartment complex here. And so I drove up and scared, no, I, I drove up uh, to her and talked with her a little bit more and just said, hey, it's really great to see you over here, Mary. I didn't know you delivered over here. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, you know, being a pastor, and she said, oh, you're the pastor here at Life Church." I said, yeah. And she got real serious, stopped what she was doing, and she looked at me. And uh, she said, the community knows that your church loves them. The community knows that your church loves them. It's obvious every time you feed so many families, thank you for caring, please don't stop. Right, and that's a reflection of you, not me. That's a reflection of you as Life Church, because of your radical generosity, giving the opportunity to do more things within our community, because of your intentional love of others, and because of your commitment to biblical truth. Right, these are the things we begin seeing, and I know that that story is repeated over and over and over again. I was talking to somebody recently, and they uh, had somebody that was uh, exploring faith, and they said, "You're exploring faith. You need to get to Life Church, Utah." And they don't even attend here. And they told that person to come here to Life Church Utah. I'm excited about that because I believe this is what God has called us to do. That there are people who are broken and hurting and need to see Jesus extended to them. And we're the ones to do that. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out. So the challenge is to not just sit, right? The challenge is to be a part of what God is doing here in West Valley. In your home, perhaps through life groups, which we're going to talk more about here in the coming weeks. 
You need to get your teenagers involved in real life, our student ministry. Get them involved with that. Uh, your kids and grandkids need to be part of Kids Life on Sunday mornings. By the way, this morning, uh, Kids Life, they were celebrating uh, the, the, the kids which means maybe parents, and some of you had them do chores around the house to earn money, but the kids this last year gave 1,800 bucks to BGMC, kind of a missions uh, thing, and then the church matches that. So 3,800 bucks, so the kids are down there having a big party uh, today. So get your kids, right? They're learning radical generosity even at a young age. Um, step into discipleship opportunities midweek when we have outreaches, don't wait to volunteer. Um, Want to let you know, like missions, right? Get involved in missions. We do, by the way, out in the uh, out in the lobby, have an opportunity to tell you more about a Tucson a trip to uh, missions trip we're taking to Tucson. A very short term uh, trip we're taking to Tucson. Would love to have you be a part of that at the end of February. It's going to be a fantastic time as we help out Gap Ministries, and we've been there before and kind of re-upping that relationship with them after several years of being away. And uh, we really feel like now is the time to start getting back to some of these foundational things of what Life Church is. We got a week of prayer coming up at the end of January. Make sure you look at those opportunities when we let you know about them. Look at those opportunities to dive into prayer and let's see what God can do through us as he anoints and as he blesses. And let God use you when it really counts. Right, when it really counts in that race, when you are, feel like you're on your last leg, God says, I am with you and you will be victorious. I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, together, we commit ourselves to what the church is supposed to be. The God, in moments when we gather together in the large group, Lord, I am grateful for the encouragement that I sense in my own heart, Lord, uh, when, I, when I hear people singing your praises. God, when we're responding to your word, Lord, that encourages me as an individual. God, as we gather as the corporate body and we are generous together, Lord, you're opening up new opportunities, new ways for us to impact and influence our culture right around us here in West Valley and over in Tooele and God, many other places as we continue to grow. But Father God, we know and recognize that the, that the church is made up of individuals. And so Lord, as an individual, Lord, help us to step out in generosity and intentional love and, and uh, let us know your word, God, so that when we leave from this uh, building, Lord, that houses your church, God, that we would be effective in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would have courage to share Jesus who you are with the world around us. And so God, I pray your blessing and anointing upon your people. God, as we leave from here, let us walk with confidence, knowing you are with us. And God, you will live your life through us. Lord, we love you this day. And God, help us, God, because you've called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like you. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, don't forget next week, continuing on our Roman series. Hope to see you here. God bless you.